customer experience is your brand. All about the interaction that a customers customer are not has just customers that can the be kind of experience you give to people. Customers. That's what they're going. Amazon wants you to buy something. A warranty company wants their contractors. Customer to do experience, you know, it really is how your brand gets projected out in, into the world. Business is not just business; it's very human. All right, and welcome back to another episode of In the Know. This is your host, Todd Stewart. We have a super exciting episode coming up for you today. Uh, we have uh, an exciting guest, Michael Blumberg, who is joining the podcast today. Michael, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Great to be here. So thanks for coming on the show. Um, this episode is, is all about digital transformation, um, what it is, why it matters, why companies, uh, especially in the home services space, why are they all of a sudden uh, all talking about digital transformation? It seems to be the hot topic that um, is, is very important nowadays. So I, I figured let's get this episode started with you explaining in your terms and through your own lens, what is digital transformation and why are the home service enterprises out there, why are they so concerned and why is it top of mind? Excellent question, Todd. Digital transformation is the profound transformation that occurs when a company leverages digital technology to change the way their business is conducted. And it results in new business models and cultures when that happens. Mm -hmm. For example, Uber is one of the classic definitions of a company that's going through a digital transformation strategy. In these strategies, companies use, use advanced technologies like the internet, mobility solutions, wireless communications, GPS, and online payment processing to deliver on-demand cashless transportation solutions mm -hmm. to customers. That's exactly what Uber does. Mm -hmm. And also, digital transformation results in more responsive business operations and leads to innovations that transform how customers, partners, employees, and things, devices communicate with each other. Uh, it's become a, a very hot topic today because it has a, an enormous positive impact on companies who have pursued these types of strategies. Mm -hmm. There's a study by Constellation Research that found that digital leaders in almost every industry are taking 40 to 70% of the overall market share and 23% to 57% of profits in some markets. And in other markets, there are one or two major players that take up 77% of the profits because they've implemented digital transformation strategies. Hmm. The reason why it's gaining attention in field service is because there's just so many use cases for it. Do you have any examples? Yes. Uh, well, one example, classic example, is using the Internet of Things to monitor ma machine performance and conditions, sending alerts to the service provider that something's has broken or about about to break or needs attention and then using that data to then dispatch a field engineer to arrive on site mm -hmm. and resolve the problem or to use have somebody remotely solve it or to send diagnostic information to the customer with instructions on how to anticipate a problem is about to happen and resolve it before it occurs so it's it's really that painless process of a machine saying, hmm, there's something wrong with me, and, and then sending the signals to the right uh, other machine or, or the right individual then to, to fix the problem. In, in my mind, that's 
that's a pretty simple process. The, the hard part is dispatching the right human capital out to fix a part. It's, it's that dispatching aspect. Well, and that's what digital transformation does is it takes out a, a lot of that time and labor mm-hmm. to resolve it. You're right. It's the easy part might seem the alerts. However, some of these alerts don't really mean anything. You know, they're, they're not alerts that you have to take an action over. Mm-hmm. So, it's, so there's a lot of digital data that comes out of the machine. So it's having the applications in place that's monitoring and interpreting that digital data and then making some decisions about what, what you should do based on what they're reading. Okay, so they're, they're looking through the noise to find the right signals. Exactly. What are they typically looking at in that case? Well, they're, they're looking at um, variations in the performance. So depending on how it's set up, it could be based on the temperature of, of the building where the machine is operating. It could be based on the vibrational analysis of the machine. Mm-hmm. Uh, it could be noticing some, some errors or hiccups in how the machine is performing. And it's, it's reading that data. Are there typical roadblocks that businesses face when they look internally and they say, yeah, we want to digitally transform our organization? Are there roadblocks? Yeah, there's a couple barriers, and many of them are not that difficult to overcome. Field service leaders, many of them are overwhelmed. Uh, There's so many different areas where they can implement digital transformation strategies. Mm -hmm. And the reason why there's so many errors is just there's a lot of hot, exciting technology on the market to achieve digital transformation. For example, the one I just described, the Internet of Things. Another one is augmented reality and virtual reality. Mm-hmm. Another one is um, 3D printing. Another one is artificial intelligence and big data. So overwhelmed about which one of these do you implement first, do you, or do you implement all of them, and in what order, and more importantly, which... Which vendors do you use, do you work with? Mm-hmm. So there's the barrier of an overwhelm. The second one is the prioritization, is what do you do first? There's also sometimes the fear of being first. Mm-hmm. Certainty that this is a stable technology. Uh, is it market ready? Another obstacle is that sometimes the grand vision that people have about the digital transformation strategy outshines their ability to look for a practical solution. Mm. So when you have a grand vision, Oftentimes that involves getting many stakeholders and contributors involved. And the final results that the company gets may not necessarily be what the field service leader is looking for. More importantly, it might take some time and may not deal with all the issues. Mm-hmm. For example, field service leaders have a challenge. They have to support their existing installed base of equipment and also deal with new products that are about to come to market. So, question becomes is, well, where do you apply the digital transformation strategy? Do you do it on the existing equipment or do you embed these tools and technologies in the new products? And they, they can do both. However, each one involves a different set of decisions and a different set of investments and different sets of technology. So if an enterprise comes to you and says, Michael, we want to implement augmented reality into our overall service. 
What's the first thought that comes to your mind? Well, I get that question asked a lot. So the first thought is, well, what's your definition of augmented reality? Because you'll be surprised there's different definitions of what it is. Mm -hmm. So some people think of augmented reality as putting on goggles and looking at a machine and maybe seeing 3D images of the machine parts and components and maybe sensors uh, that they're looking at 3D that are overlaid on the equipment um, that are saying red if the machine is about to fail and yellow as a warning, etc. Also might see statistics about the machine, might be able to see how the components are assembled and disassembled, like animation. So, mm-hmm. so that's one view of augmented reality. It's more it's kind of on the line of virtual reality. Others see it as well. It's just a way of me streaming. I want to stream video. I want to stream the view of what the technician or the customer is looking at back to remote expert. For some people, it's wearing the glasses. For others, it's just using their smartphone. So I really want to understand what they think they're talking about, what, what they think augmented reality is to them. Mm-hmm. Then the second, second thing I want to know is, well, what is your outcome? What, what are you trying to do here? What problem are you trying to solve? And, and then we could talk about what's the use case. The, out, the outcome kind of leads to a discussion of the use case. Where are you going to apply it? Who's going to use it? And what, what are some of the workflows that you think are going to be part of this? Mm-hmm. And then we could look at what's the right tool. And then we could do the work of actually implementing the tool, defining the workflows, establishing the key performance indicators to measure whether this is a good solution for them through a pilot. And then we can talk about rolling it out. Go full scale launch. Do you find that when companies ask you this question, they all have a similar thought? Do you find that when companies ask you this question, they do you find that do you find that when companies ask you this question, they all have a similar thought process, uh, or do you find that they're all over the board? It's all over the board. Um, depends how much of their own research they've done about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, also depends on the con- constraints. So I was talking to one company last week and they, their co- company, uh, they have a team of R&D people that are working on some very complex, very feature-rich, robust solutions for augmented reality, virtual reality, mm-hmm. but that will be on new products coming out of the factory. In the meantime, They have an immediate challenge of how do we solve our problems in the field? How do we get advice, expert advice to our technicians, to our customers? How do we uh, improve first-time fix, et cetera? And so they thought, well, they're constrained. They can't really look at a solution that's really large and complex and requires a big investment because we have people at our headquarters doing that. Uh, We can't really look at something that's too expensive involves a, a significant capital investment, takes a long time to implement because this new solution might be available. Mm-hmm. So it really limited what they were going to consider. So really what they were considering was a very, very low-end solution that was more or less putting um, video collaboration tools in the hands of the technicians. It was like giving them something similar to Skype or Zoom. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where... But they didn't realize that there are other solutions 
that were not very expensive and could be deployed very easily that gave them a little bit better user experience. Is digital transformation as popular as as it's perceived? Like, I I hear about it a lot. I I read articles of how companies are thinking about it, how they're implementing it. Is it really as popular as what it's coming out to be? Or is it something that's still far away and it's still aspirational? It depends on the company. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I could... Answer it this way, just about every field service leader that I speak to is grappling with digital transformation, is thinking about how this is going to apply to their business mm-hmm. and whether they can use it. Now, for some, it's far away because they're just their companies are in a state where they're not ready for it. Maybe economically they're not ready for it. They just don't have the capital in the company to do these types of projects, or maybe they're just still dealing with some basic block block and tackling issues. Mm-hmm. They're running their business. But those companies, the large companies, Fortune 1000, Fortune 500 companies that are doing very well, that are thriving, they're performing well financially, great, make great products, have happy customers. That's really where we're seeing a significant amount of digital transformation work going on. Now, percentage-wise, how many of those are field service companies? Or, or is, is, is the field service industry, are, are they right on par and they're, they're um, advanced in this area of accepting digital transformation? Or do you think that this industry is a little far behind and has some, uh, has some room to catch up? There's segments of the field service market that has room to catch up and there's segments that are on par and others that are ahead of the curve. Mm-hmm. If you look at a field service organization that's a division or a business unit of a Fortune 500 company that's implemented a digital transformation strategy, well, they're on the head of the curve. Their chances are they're leaders in it. So in the field service industry, you have third-party maintenance companies. Uh, you have service divisions of very mature equipment manufacturers that are run as a cost center. They're a little bit behind the curve. Mm-hmm. Who who do you think is on the, the positive side of, of that curve? I uh, saw a presentation last week at Field Service Fall Conference put on by WB Research from uh, Kona which is an elevator manufacturer. Mm-hmm. I thought they were doing some phenomenal things with digital transformation. They're able to look at the, the traffic flow in a building, in the lobby, and determine um, how well the elevators are running, whether they should speed them up or slow them down. Um, also, whether they should alert guards uh, in the lobby, that you need, to, you need more guards on duty because the traffic flow is picking up and you need some more security. Mm-hmm. I thought that they're on a uh, cutting edge there. Um, GE uh, is, has, I don't know if I have to say anything more than GE, but <laughs> we can think of all the amazing products that's come out from GE um, that the service organization has access to. So they're using the tools that the consumer's using 
they're, they're in the consumer products to provide a better service experience. Mm -hmm. Of, of those two companies, they're obviously successful and you're right. GE, right. When you say those two letters, you, you automatically think of they're, they're ahead of the curve in a lot of areas, but related to this episode, digital transformation for sure. Why do you think that they're ahead? Is it a culture? Is it like it, it's incredible that a company the size of GE is able to transform their business like this? They haven't always been like this, but they they have they are now. And what has allowed them to sort of excel and get ahead and and be known as those the the people that lead in this space? Well, it's a great question, Todd. What I think is the culture, and it's the culture for innovation. They're known for being an innovative company. Mm-hmm. They've made an investment in technology and R&D, so that part of it. And the third one I, I think that many people overlook is they really understand the value of service and I, I see that you can make more money from having a great service experience and generating recurring revenue from services and you can sell, get from selling a product one time. Mm-hmm. So quite often digital transformation strategies involve an element where you're turning a product into a recurring service revenue stream. Mm-hmm. So like to be able to monitor the equipment and provide service and support, well, that's part of a service contract. You get recurring revenue from it. So with, with digital transformation, I, I have three areas I'd love to sort of pick your brain on of, of how it improves each individual area. So how does digital transformation improve the customer's experience? Well, in field service, which I can talk about ad infinitum, is it reduces the downtime. So using IoT, using augmented reality, virtual reality, mixed reality, using big data or artificial intelligence analytics, it reduces the amount of time the equipment is down. Makes people happy. You know, you have to, you're not without your equipment, without, not without your product. Mm-hmm. Also increases the uptime and the availability of that equipment. So example for a consumer in the home, if your dishwasher is broken um, and you, you, you're going to get service a lot quicker, when you're working with a company that has a digital transformation strategy in place, mm-hmm. and somebody who has, if it's a large industrial manufacturer, that uptime and the equipment availability is critical, because without it, you could be losing hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of dollars a day because the equipment isn't available. Uh, some customers are self-maintainers; they do the work themselves. So some of these tools I talked about give that expert knowledge to that to that customer. It's a way of the manufacturer supporting the customer so they could do the work themselves by making the tools, the digital tools available to them. What about, what about operations? How does digital transformation improve operations of a business for in the, in the field service space? From an operational perspective, it improves field service productivity and efficiency. So it allows the service provider to get more work done in a faster period of time with less people and at a lower cost. It also improves the service quality and eliminates errors and defects. And as a result, the service provider has better control over costs and avoids some unnecessary costs. So if the service provider doesn't fix it right the first time, 
they have to send somebody back for another visit. And that, that flows right into offerings. How does it affect offerings? Well, it's enabling some new service offerings. Yeah. Uh, for one, it, it's giving them more confidence and capability. So you can offer a remote resolution because you have the tools. You can offer a guaranteed response time or guaranteed repair time because you know you have the tools and technology and the data to provide that. Uh, so an example would be a faster response time, a quicker resolution as part of a service contract. And all these new capabilities, these new offerings can be monetized into new and profitable revenue streams for, for that provider. Is that currently happening? So say on a, on a homeowner front, you mentioned remote fixing. Is that happening now? Um, yes. Uh, more so in the, um, in the B2B world, we're seeing remote service contracts. They've always existed. And in many industries, they, they exist. Mm-hmm where you can have access to a help desk, you know, or a a telephone technical support center. The problem is that sometimes the service wasn't very good. You could spend hours on the phone with a a, a technical support specialist and the problem wasn't resolved. One of the reasons it wasn't resolved fast enough is because that expert couldn't see what was going on. Mm -hmm. Okay. Or they didn't have the, the knowledge at their hand. They had to just kind of go through a long troubleshooting experience. But now they, they, you can use the virtual reality or augmented reality to see what's happening. You can access knowledge tools, digital databases, knowledge tools, artificial intelligence, analytics to solve the problem. And what's happening now are the providers that have these tools are charging for it. Mm-hmm. They may have given it away in the past for free. They may have given it away from in the past for free and now they're charging uh, many times a premium or an additional amount above the service contract for that. So I, I'd like to, to shift the conversation a little bit into uh, a, a enterprise that is in the field service space that has not yet accepted digital transformation. So they're, they're starting from uh, right from the beginning, right from the start. What are some things that, that you would want to say to that company to say you should consider these things before accepting this overall transformation? I'm assuming you mean somebody who's like resistant. Yeah, they've resisted it so far and now they're slowly turning around to it and they say, Michael, like, you know, you're our guy, uh, help us out with this. And, and these are the types of questions you want them thinking about Early on, one is are what do your customers expect from the service experience? Are are they comparing you to any other service services they purchase? Mm-hmm. What does that look like? What does that comparison look like? When you think about experiences you've had with other companies as a consumer yourself, what are some things that are great? What does great service look like to you? And it's a get them to start thinking about that, visualizing that. And then asking them, what do you think it would be like for your business if you were to do the same thing? What would it be like for your customers? What would it be like for your employees? What would it be like for your stakeholders, for your shareholders? What would it do to your revenue, to your profits, to your market share, to your reputation if you were able to do this? They're, they're thinking about it. 
you've asked these questions and now they say, yeah, okay, great. We're ready to take the next step. How can they push adoption of this digital transformation throughout their whole company? What do they need? Do they need cultural buy-in? Do they need specific tools? Like what are the things that's going to help them take that very first step? Yeah, that's, that's great, great question. So there's a couple of things. Um, one is they really need to understand where they are from an operational and financial performance perspective versus companies who've already achieved digital transformation. So I'd want, want to do some benchmarking with them. I want them to see how their performance compares. Then I want to have some discussions with them about culturally, where are they? on this are they somebody's embracing technology or are they really 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 laggards sometimes you're a laggard because you're just not financially ready to do something mm-hmm. sometimes you're a laggard because you're afraid that this new technology is going to you don't know what it's going to do to your life <laughs> i always like to think about the story of john henry right you know he the kind of learning about that in grade school was that this was a person who was afraid of technology He's afraid that technology would uh, eliminate his job, right? And what happens at the end of the story is he dies because he's so resistant technology that he wants to use his hammer rather than the um, the diesel machine that's laying tracks. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got to find out where they are. And, and then I also have to find out what kind of capital do they have access to. Uh, and that's also sometimes going to be a function of their size and their maturity. So... If it's a somebody who's who's a laggard in this, haven't done it yet, isn't resistant, well, it, it might be that they are a small or medium-sized company. Uh, it might be they might have had stable growth, margins haven't improved, and they've somehow managed to scrape some money and capital together to make to, to implement digital transformation strategies. So I'm going to take that into account. I'm going to consider what their constraints are mm-hmm. in making a recommendation. So I'm going to say based on where they are, where best-in-class companies are, what kind of capital they have. I'm also going to look at where are some problems and pain points, where they can get the biggest bang for the buck. And that's how I'm going to recommend and prioritize what they do. So now that the the company that, you know, in the same example that, that you're working with and that you, you, you've guided so far, uh, I, I have a question based off of their own network. So typically field service organizations, they either have dedicated contractors, field service workers, uh, they have a hybrid of dedicated and third party, or they have strictly third party workers that are, are not, they're 1099 employees. And, and I'm wondering, does each type of field service company face different issues when wanting to implement digital transformation within their organization? Like does the, the company that has dedicated workers versus a company that has 1099 third-party workers or a hybrid of both, does that change? Yeah, each, each type faces their own challenges. So with those that have a W-2 workforce, the upside is they work for you. So you you as the owner or the operator of the business can say, this is what we're going to do. And you can get their buy-in and they use it. And if they don't use it after everyone's made the buy-in, then you have some recourse, mm-hmm. what you can do. 
you can evaluate your performance and say, you know, your, your performance isn't very, very high in this area. And it might be because you're not using the tools because you're resistant. You need to learn how to use these tools and some training. We'd like to see you taking, taking more use of them. The downside, I think, in the, with the W2 is you have people in that organization that may have been there for a long time and really know the politics of the company and could try to sabotage this. This. We don't like to think about it, but that that could happen. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, you know, a good manager, good leaders know how to combat that and prevent that from happening, happening, or minimize it. Um, so again, for the W two, you have more control over it. You could say, "This is what we're going to use." You have, if you're going to work here, you have to use it. With a blended workforce and um, a workforce that's pure freelancer. That's a little bit more of a challenge because uh, you can't, for a freelancer, you can't tell them how to do their job. Mm-hmm. So you have to be very, very careful about how how you get them involved in using the technology. Mm-hmm. So one one area that we've been looking at is augmented reality and virtual reality. So what you could say when you're hiring a freelance workforce is, for these jobs, we need people that have access to augmented reality technology, meaning they have to have a smartphone or they have to have the, the glasses that they can stream uh, video with. And what you can say is if you don't have that technology, here's where you can get it. But you can't say to them, we want to hire you as a freelancer, here's the tool. Mm-hmm. Then you're getting into some questions about misclassification of, of workers and you could open yourself up to a, a lawsuit. Yeah, yeah. So you have to be very careful how you manage it. Um, and I'd say the same thing happens with the blended workforce. You know, those that work for you, sure, you tell them what, what they can do and they're going to use it. But you have to manage the freelancers just as, as you would with the independent, as those that use a pure freelance workforce. So final couple questions. I, I think that's really fascinating. And it's true that the difference between, you know, the, the different workforces, you do have to be very careful. Um, but, but final couple questions. So more, this one's more like futuristic looking, what areas of field service do you think are, are going to improve the most as more and more companies decide that digital transformation is for them? Oh, I'm glad you didn't ask me just to pick one. <laughs> Cause it really, and transform all aspects of the service uh, delivery supply chain from alerts and notifications about the service event. So just monitoring the equipment, the uh, internet of things to dispatching and scheduling the, the field engineer. So you can use dynamic scheduling tools to schedule them. You can access the IOT. So the field service engineer knows something's about the fail. I think you can even apply to the freelance management system platforms. First of all, I think that's an example of a digital transformation strategy. We're using digital technology to manage a freelance workforce. We're seeing it in the troubleshooting and diagnostic aspect of field service delivery mm-hmm. through the augmented reality and artificial intelligence. Another area is parts planning and inventory management. I'm using artificial intelligence and big data. Uh, forecast and optimize the level of inventory you have on the hand and even uh, 3d printing we haven't gotten into that yet but using 3d printing 
to create almost an asset light parts organization. Mm-hmm. You use 3D printing, you don't really have to inventory parts. You print them when you need them. So you've gone from very asset intensive business to one that's asset light. So that's another area. And lastly, using the digital transformation strategy and technologies to improve service offerings and generate new sources of profit and revenue. Well, Michael, I, I really appreciate your time today. Thank you for coming on the show. Uh, last question for, for anybody that's listening. They say, awesome. I would love to, to continue this conversation about digital transformation. How can they get in contact with you? What's the best way? Uh, well, they, they can email me at michaelb at bloomberg-advisor.com. They, if they want to continue to the conversation by reading my blogs, I suggest they subscribe to my blog by visiting www.michaelrbloomberg.net. You can also visit my my website if you want to learn more about what our company does. That's www.bloomberg-advisor.com. You can follow, they can follow me on LinkedIn and my LinkedIn handle is Bloomberg1. And lastly, we can continue the conversation on Twitter and my handle is at Bloomberg1. That's perfect. And so all, all of those links will be uh, in the dispatch blog right underneath where you played this episode. So you can easily link directly to to Michael there. Um, but, but Michael, I really appreciate you coming on the show today. This was very interesting, very fascinating, and helped answer a lot of questions that I have as far as digital transformation. So I really appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome, Todd. Thank you very much for having me on. It was really a pleasure talking with you today. And uh, I'm happy to come on again if you'd like to invite me uh, to continue the conversation.